And so, um, no, we can just dive right into the, the content. Okay. I mean, this is our obviously our last event. Um, it's our last free event that we are doing for Marketing May, uh, literally on the last day of the month. So um, I am excited about this, about employer branding and how that can help you attract the right talent. So I am too, actually. That's something that's new to me. So let's uh, let's hit it, Ken. Go let's for it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah, I won't go into this. Um, part one, two, three, four. This is the kind of the culmination, I'd say, of the whole series of May. I mean, I think we were kind of learning, you know, the building blocks, et cetera. Probably it's been more um, left-brained, right? More quantitative, if you will. Um, more project-oriented, making sure that you have the right processes in place. This is kind of where you get to introduce a little bit more of the, the right brain where you're getting into the emotion and you're really um, talking about what, how, how important the brand is to the business owner and can relay that sort of emotional feeling to the customer and the target. So, so it's really exciting for me as well. Um, this is kind of what we're gonna be covering. Like everything else, every other episode here, guess what the central theme has been? Customer. No different in brand, even though you're talking about, oh, logos and et cetera. It's really that connection with the customer. Um, it's not that your products aren't important. I don't know if you all, you all know Allen Iverson, um, basketball player from the 90s and 2000s, an amazing basketball player. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. But there was this one. I do know him. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was yeah. one uh, quote. And the quote that he said was practice. Are we talking about practice? And that's why I'm, I'm typing here about you know, products. Are we talking about products. And the issue was, you know, he gave it us all on the court. It wasn't about practice. It was about the product of the, of, the um, of his efforts. And that's kind of where we are here too. This is where it all comes out on the court. Um, really critical. We're going to find our why. Um, stop talking, stop talking so much about the what and the how. Aspiring to greatness. Um, I don't think companies talk about or think about this enough, honestly. And it really is the separation zone in, in my mind is in when you can pull this together and you can aspire to greatness and you can, you can then become great. And that's what makes a great brand. Everything's got to be measured even though this is a little bit more probably of the right brain side, there's still, I'm gonna go walk through 10 different ways of measuring your brand health, right? To make sure that you're on track. Um, and then obviously we talked uh, at the outset, the importance of employer brand. Um, we'll go through a quick case study too, uh, that I was involved with a few years ago that I think kind of brings it home. Okay, this is it, it's the heartbeat. Brand is the heartbeat of your company. Um, and it's about how business owners, CEOs, employees of great brands, they love their companies. They absolutely um, live for their companies. They die for their companies. It is an emotional thing, right? It's not just a number. It's not just sales. It's not just how many stores do I have? Uh, it is 
the one thing in the marketing that is truly um, can kind of take your breath away, right? Because you feel so passionate. And I think we've all worked for companies. Hopefully we've worked for companies. I know I've worked for companies like that, right? Um, and I've worked for companies where I don't feel this, but, but that brand is where it, you make that connection with the customer. Hopefully the customer makes that connection as well and feels that way and becomes an evangelist. All right, so as with other sessions, I've used ChatGPT to help out a little bit. So I did a little query, say, oh, ChatGPT, what do you think the key branding elements are for a company, right? Probably gives me some pretty good answers. I like ChatGPT. Market research and analysis, yeah. Brand positioning, brand identity, messaging and communication, obviously important. Content marketing, customer experience. It's sounding a little bit like some of the stuff we've already talked about though, right? Brand consistency, employee brand advocacy is sort of employer brand, I guess. Measurement and analysis. We've talked a lot about this in the previous four weeks. Adaptability and evolution, your ability to kind of change as times change. And so what I think about all this is, meh, okay? If we're talking about this stuff today, you guys are going to fall asleep um, because we've kind of already talked about it. We, we got to really get to the heart of it and kind of the, the crux, the, the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of branding, branding 101. And it's, um, you know, it's about targeting your audience again, getting to their pain points. I don't know how many times I've said pain points. In, over the course of five weeks, but I won't stop talking about it because that's the connective tissue. Um, the thing that differentiates you, your competitors, you, you all have competitors in your products and services. What is it that differentiates you? And then what are you doing to make sure people know about that? This is from um, Don Miller. We've talked about him a few in a few sessions, uh, building a story brand. Uh, big theme of his customer is a hero. You're the guide, okay? You're you're the one who's going to make them successful. There's obviously brand identity elements. You know, what's your logo look like? What's your typography? Um, what's your voice? The brand voice is a critical element. You know, what's your personality and how does that come through? Silly question. Um, typography. Yeah. What's typography. So that's like the fonts that you would use. Um, in your logo or in your things that you send out you on your website, right? And there's, you know, there's a million different things to, I'll give you, if I can go back real quick. So this, this mm -hmm. on the left side, it's Calibri on the right side. And I'm not even sure the name, it's a unique font I found. So that's your typography. All right, got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Exceptional customer experiences at every touch point, not just a unique form on your page, but everywhere. And that means even when you're having a face-to-face -face conversation, right? You want that customer experience to be exceptional. Personalized interactions as much as possible. What does this mean for me as a customer? How, how am I gonna get the information that is meaningful to me, not to my neighbor? Consistency, really important. Uh, having the employees be your brand advocates, metrics, adapting and evolving. I have a question for you, Kim Marie. Um, yeah. 
I was saying to Kim Paskins the other day that I thought our branding was really spectacular. The colors, the way it flows, like how we do things, what we're writing on there, all of that. What's your take on it? I mean, you've seen it, you saw the landing page, whatever, like, what do you think mm -hmm. about our branding and what we're doing or what, what would you recommend if we're not doing something right? Um, so my initial reaction, and that's really all it can be because I mean, I know I've been exposed to it for a couple of months, but um, I don't know what your customers or prospects are thinking. So I'll just copy right. at that. So my my sort of visceral reaction is, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's cool. I think it stands out. Um, I think it's bold, right? I think you're you doing some things that captivate an audience. I think people kind of know what your your attitude is, your personality. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Um, so I, I think it is on the right track. I don't know if it's delivering the results. I don't know what others think, but for yeah, me- I was just curious as a marketing expert, what yeah. your initial gut reaction was. Yeah, and I, you know, again, it's all in the eye of the beholder and the, the important beholder is the people who are actually paying for the service right? yep. and sign up. But no, I, I think it's, I think you've done great work. John, if you have any questions. Thanks on that as well i mean on your company feel free to fire fire away absolutely your personal personal uh session now <laughs> yeah well i was just thinking through you know the things that we've set up as well because we ended up creating a style guide specifically for like if we're producing anything what fonts we use what colors we use and making yep. sure that everything's consistent yes and that's one thing i pay attention to a lot with my team is making sure we're consistent with our branding Absolutely. That's a really important point. In a case study, we'll touch on that a little bit, right? Um, some companies spend too much time on that, frankly. Like, mm -hmm. that's what they think the brand is. Oh, I'm a brand manager, so what I'm going to do is make sure that, you know, this division is using the right font when they send out or when they create a brochure. And that, yes, that is important. There's no question. That's much more of a tactical execution, mm -hmm. right, versus... What we're talking about today is probably, if you remember the big M and the little M of marketing, the big M, right? Yeah. This is the strategy piece. This is where it all, you know, you got to have that vision and you have to make sure that you have that connection with the customer. The little M, the style guide, super important. Absolutely. If you don't have that, you know, the, the wheels fall off the bus. So it is a really good point. John, how okay. many years have you guys been in business again, please? I'm sorry? How many years have you guys been in business again? Uh, four and a little over four and a half coming up on five years in August. That's uh, actually, I, I thought it was uh, a fair, a fairly young business. That's actually pretty mm -hmm. remarkable that you pay so much attention to it. I mean, most companies that new do not, to be quite yeah. unless they have someone, you know, that's you know either, either hired someone or they had someone on their sort of leadership team that comes from that, that background. Yeah. yeah. I'll say for me, my experience, so, um, uh, my degree is in marketing. <laughs> I didn't utilize uh, it right out of school. Yeah. Um, okay. But I had the foundation. But then also yeah. the people around me when I was starting the business, I know a lot of marketing people. So I got their feedback and what are things that I wasn't thinking about? Yep. That's Even good. Down to our to our company's name. I got a lot of feedback on that before we selected it. That there's a whole science behind that. Um actually I know the, the CEO of this company called um branding business out in LA hmm. and that's all they do. They just name, they work on naming companies and products and things like that, but they, they, you know, 
um, meld together the left and the right side of the brain to come together with these wild names, but they make sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say um, I'm I'm definitely more um, more analytical in, in my thought process, so I had to rely on people who are more creative for feedback. Right. And yep. they just like married the two of that for our company's name. So logic spree. It reflects, you know, both my personality, and my approach, but also helps communicate to people, hey, you know, we're 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 deep thinkers. We're going to advance essentially throw a lot of energy into shoes on. Sorry. Uh, I, I think we overheard Mike oh, okay. put shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave my shoes off. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. Sorry, guys. No, that, that's all right. That's all right. Welcome. Well, welcome, Mike. Um, okay, I'm going to dive in. Th thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, John. And again, you know, more, more of that throughout this whole session would be great. Yeah. Okay. And so, I, are you going to get deeper into uh, employee branding? Because I'm really. Yes. That. Okay, thank you. I am, I am, and I, you know, we can we can jump around too, and th th this this section will go pretty quickly. Um, you know, we've got uh, back to the sort of products. Products we're talking about products. Um, they're great. I, you know, they make a lot of toilet paper in the town that I live in, Nina, Wisconsin. So, um, you know, I don't need to go into the gory details of, you know, why we need toilet paper, but it's it's an essential product um, near and dear and employs a lot of people in this town, frankly. Um, and how they make, it's fascinating. I love going to plants. I absolutely love going to manufacturing plants to learn how things are done, but I'm weird in that, you know, realm. Most people don't, especially people who are buying the product, don't really care <laughs> that you've got the best process. And I'm sure that, um, you know, Kimberly Clark does. Um, but it's really, it's about the customer, right? Um, in solving his problems, how are you gonna take away the, the pain um, and give them satisfaction, making that connection point? And if you don't make that connection, you, you, you can't really even begin to start, right? You gotta make this essential connection between the problem they're trying to solve and the solution that you're providing, going back to the, hey, Customer's the hero. We're going to make them look good. I'm just going to guide them along the way, right? Okay, a couple of just quick examples. Um, Tesla, I mean, the, both these companies have been around for about, you know, a little less than 15 years. The customer pain points that Tesla identified was around the internal combustion engine and the pollution that it created. And there were a, a growing number of people back then concerned about this. And so they developed the technology that eliminated, you know, carbon from being emitted from gas from uh, from the vehicles. But customers also had a like this fear of, okay, so I can charge my car, but how far will it grow? And so Tesla addressed that by putting charging stations, and they're still doing it, but they have by you know by far the, the largest network. And they clearly articulate this in their branding, right? You so customers know that's why they go to Tesla versus perhaps another. Um, uh, EV because they don't necessarily have to buy an adapter to to use the charging station. Airbnb, same thing. Um, their customer pain point was that they wanted to go to someplace affordable 
uh, and have a unique experience, but I didn't want, you know, the hotels that I was looking at didn't suit me uh, or they were too expensive. So they built out this, um, this network of lodging, but the customers were also as a follow-on, they were a little bit concerned about, you know, is it going to be a little, you know, sketchy? How do I know I'm staying in someone's house? I don't know. That's kind of weird. So then they build this whole review mechanism in and you can select as you are, you know, booking your stay. I only want to stay in a, in a five star. Um, so it gives again, the voice to the customer to allow them and it builds out their brand profile. So the customer can make a connection to the problem that I'm solving. And as you know, there's obviously we could talk about this all day long with dozens of other brands. Um, getting back to Donald Miller, the customer, is the hero. It's obviously a big, big theme in this presentation and also, you know, his book. I hope hopefully you guys have picked it up. Um, you're the guide. Your job is to improve their life. Um, Simon Sinek, sort of the same, same thing. Got to give him credit for the golden circle. You've got to get centered on your why, right? The what, you know, your product or service, that's great. How you do it, fascinating. Um, you wouldn't be in business if you didn't do these things, you didn't sell products and you didn't make them really, really well. But if you don't know why you exist, you know, what's our core reason for being, then you really can't build your brand, right? You really cannot have this aspirational vision um, and be a super successful brand. You've got to really get this why. And we'll get into that in a, in a couple of minutes. One other way to do that, we talked about this in the growth gears. Uh, component and that's the brand house right you really want to find out what your positioning statement is and th again this is another way of sort of restate stating this golden circle um what we do how we're different and why we matter right supported by data okay mentioned aspiring to greatness and that, that i believe that not enough companies really do this um because it i mean it takes time and effort energy you have to have the right people around you you have to have your yourself you have to be able to have this vision but the brands that do do this you can tell they tend to be premium brands not always i've thrown a couple here you know four seasons is clearly a premium brand chick-fil-a don't think it's a premium brand i mean i can i can get in and out of there for under 10 bucks um but you know they have a this customer obsession Right. That is the number one trait among these what I believe are great brands, um, completely focusing on satisfying the customer. They connect the dots. Customer has this issue and you've got a solution. Now, not everyone's going to stay at the Four Seasons. It's, it's out of the budget for a lot of people. Um, but those who can stay, they, they you know, you know what you're going to get. There's a consistency in the approach when you're at the front desk talking to you know, as you're checking in, you know what you're going to get. And you know that there's going to be quality along that whole value chain. Um, and same same in Chick-fil-A, this sort of consistency. And the, the other thing that they do is they just simplify everything, right? It is a very simplified approach, regardless of whether I'm checking in, checking out, eating a meal, going to the bathroom. It, it, it It's everything is... Um, I, I expect and am delivered exactly what I expect. And from a messaging standpoint, less is more, 
right? Remember, remember that Steve Jobs quote around simplification. It's the hardest thing to do, but when you achieve it, you know, you, you can move mountains, right? So really focusing on simplifying. Yeah, I saw an interview once from the Chick-fil-A uh, CEO, actually, and broke down their whole strategy on the customer. And and it's all about creating raging fans. And I remember that. And it's yep. to me. It's like, you know, we want our fans to become raging fans where they'll drive anywhere to get a Chick-fil-A. It's always the same quality. It's always high quality. It's always the best service. And the the the, the customer will become our, our marketing agency, basically. So. I, I am I am that person, right? I mean, uh, I I love a, a great you know expensive meal if you will too. But when I'm out, I'll go to Chick Fil A, um, and I know what I'm going to get. Even even during the pandemic, when you know everything hit the fan and you know there were lines, they figured that out. They figured out how to process that to keep people happy, even though they were going to come into the stores. So exactly, there's um a quote, and I don't recall it exactly. When I worked at the Home Depot, they actually would quote Chick-fil-A's approach for customers. And one of our directors said to me that if you consistently deliver quality, then people will demand you get bigger or grow yeah. bigger. Yeah, absolutely. It's just really hard to, to, to maintain that focus, mm -hmm. right? Um, but once you get there, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, especially as we get into the employer brand piece. You know, part of this is hiring the best. It's a really tough job market, but... If you have, if you create the demand inward, right, so that you have people lining out the door who want to work for you, guess what? You're going to get better people. Yeah, I right? mean, have you ever seen an unhappy employee at Chick Fil A? I have not. No, no. I mean, they've all drunk the Kool Aid, um, <laughs> but it it makes a lot of sense. And then you know, having this big aspirational vision um, in the you know Jim Collins Good to Great book, this BHAG, big hairy audacious goal. You got to have that. Yeah. Great brands, ask, you know, um, have this and work towards it. Um, those that don't, they're too busy. They're in the business. They don't have them and they can fail. So, and then the last thing is always ask, you know, is this the best, is this my best work, right? No matter what you're doing, um, you know, real, real quick anecdote. I started as a CMO at a um, insurance company about 10 years ago, um, three months into the job, I created a marketing strategy, created a digital strategy and was presenting it to the leadership team, the extended leadership team, probably about 30 people in the room. And uh, part of my research was I discovered that all of the, a lot of the technology work that was being done by the IT team was bug fixes, right? It was over 50% of the work, which meant that I couldn't get the shit that I wanted to get done, done. Like I was, even though it was prioritized, I couldn't get in the line because everyone was working on fixing the stuff that broke. And so I just asked that question. I said, guys, is this really our best work? And like jaws dropped and people were shocked that someone would say that. And I said, I don't, I don't mean that in, in a, to be, you know, um, it's not a personal attack. It's a reflection of data. And if we change the way we work, perhaps we can actually get more done. And so within 90 days, we had fired, I discovered that all the technology, actually the, the bug fix, the, all the work on the initial. On my dad's ID. 
Okay. So we're straight yeah, it it had been outsourced. So yeah. we we got rid of that outsourcer, insourced a lot of work, and immediately saw quality results. So always ask, is this your best work? Okay. The um, brand health metrics. So there are ways to measure brand health, right? It's not just, oh, you know, I feel good about my brand or my, my employees are happy or my logo looks great. There's at least 10 ways to do this. I'm going to roll through this real quickly. Um, brand awareness, okay, in aided and unaided me measures, right? Aided means, you know, someone mentions your brand and you say, yes, I've heard of Chick-fil-A. Unaided would be name a, you know, fast food restaurant. And if someone names Chick-fil-A, that's, an, that's, you know, the unaided brand awareness metric. Um, brand perception. How do I, what's my credibility? What's the trust factor? Net promoter score in terms of generating, uh, you know, people on here. measuring customer satisfaction. Um, market share, obviously. Revenue units. Purchase intent of customers or consumers, how likely are they? And these are all through surveys, right? My brand loyalty, the perceived quality of my products or services. Social media engagement, we all know what that is. Online reputation, sort of the trust pilots of the world. You know, how am I differentiated from my competitors? You ask your customers. And then ultimately brand loyalty, you know, what is my retention? All this stuff can and should be measured at least quarterly. And even if you're not doing it, once you start, you you build a baseline and then you can build KPIs off of that to say, okay, what do I aspire to? And what's it going to mean if I move my net promoter score from 50 to 60? And you can you can definitely measure that. You can definitely see growth in your company as you are doing as you were doing this. So let's not forget about the left brain as you're talking about brand, right? You do need to have KPIs and you do need to have the measurements. And there's proof from the pudding. I mean, this is from Harvard, um, Harvard Business Review. Companies with strong brand relevance, which is brand health, experienced higher revenue growth and market share gains. They also demonstrated better customer retention, the ability to charge premium prices. So it kind of all fits together in a nice flywheel. Okay, now we're going to kind of get into employer brand, Ken. So this too is from Donald Miller. If you've read the book, more and um, more is this becoming more and more important? Employer branding. Absolutely. I, I would argue that it always has been. It just hasn't been well articulated. Okay. Okay. And I'm um, just, just with, because employer branding not only helps your company from a brand and marketing position perspective, but that branding I've got to assume also helps attract and, and retain talent as well. And with, oh. hey man, what's a labor participation rate these days? Like 67%. Um, it, yeah. it, you know, I mean, it, regardless it, of what the economy is, it's still hard to find great talent. <laughs> okay, yeah. so here's an example. I bet for every job applicant at Burger King, Chick-fil-A has 10. Okay, I don't know that for a fact. That's a guess, but I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because of the reputation, right? Yeah, yeah good point. I'll say so, the this point, one of the things we've incorporated, um, well, we've said it, you know, what our vision is to be number one in delivering five-star customer service, customer experiences for Salesforce customers. And then we list out our values. So that's, you know, communicating to our customers what we strive for. But that's also how we evaluate ourselves internally. 
Are we delivering that level of service? And then we interview people, we evaluate them based off of our values. Like, what do you rank these people in terms of our core values? If they're five out of five for those core values, then we're hiring a good person. If they don't, they didn't, they're not going to be you know, aligned with that brand. But we communicate that out to people beforehand. So that way, you know, they can self-select what our expectations are. I think that's incredibly thoughtful to do that, right? Because and if the person is being honest and they can kind of say, well, I'm, I can't do that. Or they can say, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Maybe I can work hard to overcome my weakness, right? Um, a good interview tactic just uh, is, is, you know, if um, trying to think of a core value that uh, a, a, a good one, but let's say you're, you know, team oriented or team player, right? I, I would, I wouldn't say, hey, one is team player. Show me how you're a team player. I would ask specifically, hey, talk to me about some examples with your last employer of how you showed up, um, you know, as a team player. What did you do that went above and beyond? And have them articulate and discuss and talk through that specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And and another another way to kind of get to that is to say, talk about a conflict that you had with yeah. someone. That's one of my favorite interview questions because I want to see, you know, you. It's rare that you go through a job without having a conflict, right? I mean, something's wrong <laughs> if if you don't either disagree or you know, in a decision you want to go one way and maybe your boss wants to go another way. How do you get through that? And where, you know, at, at the end of the day, you you felt you know you could keep moving on, right, right? So, and I think that's what getting getting to this slide where. If you don't have a good story to tell, if you don't know what your why is, getting back to that, you know, why as a company, you've got this thing that Donald Miller calls uh, the narrative void. And, and that can cause all kinds of problems. I won't go through all of these, but just on the left side here, um, you've got sort of the, the internal workings of the organization and communications. And on the right side, you've got the external. and if you don't know your why, there's going to be a lot of white noise because you can't clearly articulate whether that's in corporate communications or career development. People aren't going to really know, you know, where am I going with this company? I've got, is this a dead end job? You, you end up building weak management. Uh, so you don't really have bench strength. The, the company vision what, what is it? It's probably a mission statement that doesn't mean anything, right? And then on the external side, you know, you get things like met, what he would call rogue messaging. Like you've got lots of people probably on social media. Do you really want that? No, you want some, you want advocates. Um, and you've got just um, sort of a lack of accountability because you haven't done the work to articulate why you exist and why you're important to the customer can be fixed though, you build out a clear story and you solve these gaps, right? You've got great messaging. You've got people who are inspired to work for you. And hence, you've got other people who wanna come in the doors. Um, you've got a great bench. Um, you have this really exciting um, sort of story that articulates why you exist and why that's important and why customers would want to, you know, do business with you. 
Um, and it allows you to do a much better job of positioning to your different customer segments. So um, I do have a case, and we can talk more about employer brand, Ken. I mean, uh, you know, th this is just something that is, it, it has certainly become more important, but I think really great brands historically have been employer brands. I think that they've been, had a, a way of attracting the right talent because word gets out, you know, and it's not just because, well, company pays 20% more than the other companies because that, that can't last really um, in a, you know, in an equilibrium. Right. It, it really is. Um, and, and it could be that the that the employees that, who are more satisfied are working harder because oh, they totally. feel committed to the vision. Totally. Their engagement is typically much higher, which, you know, has a huge impact on, on, on the company's, you know, bottom line. So absolutely. It, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think ultimately a CEO might say, okay, yeah, great. This branding stuff. I, I get it. Does it really, is it really going to impact my bottom line? Is it really going to impact my growth trajectory? And I would say unequivocally, absolutely. There, if, if done well, there's no question that this can be perhaps the most important lever that you've got. Right. Um, yeah, you need to have the right products and need to be able to deliver them and you need to have uh, pricing, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the, you know, um, all the components of, of a successful business. But if you cannot articulate your brand well, if you don't position it well, if your people don't really understand why they're there, and that's a huge problem. People don't really know what the company does, why it exists and what my job, why I'm even here. Um, that that's probably 80% of the companies out there. Right. The 20% that get it, they're going to be around for a long time. Um, and they're not, they're not building to sell. They're building to grow. Right. And that's a, that's a huge, huge difference. You know, and too few of times do companies also do a very good job of articulating that in either a quarterly conversation with an employee or the staff as a whole. Right. So, you know, I've worked for, with, Fortune 100 companies, and and there's some of those that I, I won't mention, but I don't know what their why was. I don't know what their core values were. I don't know yeah. what they're trying to do except for make a lot of money. Right? So, <laughs> so true. Um, I I have inherited teams where that was the number one problem. Um, in addition to not really understanding the company strategy, they yeah. understood they understood what job they were doing, and they did it well. But they didn't. They couldn't connect it to the company's strategy or the bigger mission, right? Like, what role do I play in making the company successful? Right, right. And and actually, I really enjoy that that kind of work because you can see the growth in the individual, then, and then and then it spreads, right? And if you can get teams to start getting to that point, then you can really make a difference in um, in the company's trajectory. John, you were going to say something, it looked like? Yeah. Um, uh, I, there's something I, I learned from an internship that I've looked to incorporate my company that's around customer experience and getting everyone internally aligned with that as well. Um, I take it that everybody on this call has been to Disney World or Disneyland. Absolutely. So uh, I interned there um, in school. And one of the things that we were required to do was to create a magical moment like every hour. Are you all familiar with magical moments? Yep. 
So while it may seem more organic to the guests, you know, creating some just over the top experience or just something that goes above and beyond that you remember that's unique to yourself, we were required to do it, but we're also encouraged to be creative. How do we make sure that, you know, people who are our guests are enjoying their experience? So we were not only accountable for it, but we were rewarded to, for it as well. So what we've looked to do, like in terms of my company, was, is to create uh, five-star moments. So that's where we're going above and beyond, where we're recognized for going out of the way to job efficiency or just creating a, just a specific moment for our customers that has nothing to do with Salesforce. That's awesome. Now, are, let me ask you, John, are you doing that internally as well? Yes. So our team Meaning, all recognize each other for going. Yeah, there you go. That that is super critical, critical, especially as you as you grow and as you know, by definition, you start to separate roles mm -hmm. and, you know, you become a little bit more layered. That bottom layer really needs and thrives by having the other layers appreciate them. Mm -hmm. Right. And some and and. And I'm not talking about a spiff of here, it's 500 bucks for doing a great job. That's important, but it's honestly, and this has been proven out, it's just as important having a handwritten note saying, I really appreciate the way that you treated the customer today, or I really appreciate you spending the extra time to walk through to solve this problem. Um, that, that All that is super, super meaningful and goes towards uh, em employer brand building. So kudos to you for doing that. So I worked with a, uh, a client one time and that on their reviews, they not only asked for, you know, employees to give reviews of each other every quarter, but they would also, anybody that touched the client, they would reach out. It, it was, it was a lot of work. I mean, you would reach out and speak to two to three clients, the goal being three and get feedback from the client as well, right? So how have your interactions been, you know, with John? Has he been, you know, has he been delivering? Has he, uh, you know, uh, is he adhering to our core values? Here's what they are and get that critical feedback, right? So yep. that was, uh, it, it, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty intense, but the, the return on that was huge. It was huge. Totally. And if people know that, I mean, it, and it shouldn't be any shock, like, oh, I, you know, secretly talked to your, um, you know, some of your clients, it should, you should expect that. I mean, that's how I would communicate. It's like, we're going to talk to your clients. Yeah. So you should, you know, you're always putting your best forward. You got a question, are you doing your best work? Yes, I am. There should, and, and we all have bad days, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You, you, not everything's going to be perfect, and you and we all kind of realize, and you probably pick up the phone maybe the next day and call someone that maybe you said something to you shouldn't have or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I think getting that feedback loop established and getting mm -hmm. as many data points in there is, is really helpful for the people who are doing the, the, the hard work of the company. Yeah. Cool. All right, I'm going to run through a quick case study here. Um, this is with Jewelers Mutual Group. It was, uh, it was a company I consulted with for a few years, then actually was hired to run uh, marketing. Um, that's another story, but we'll just go into, you know, so this study I think really highlights how brand building can work, even in a very established company, not just a, a young company or a startup that's never done this before. 
So the background is this is a hundred year old company. Um, when, I, when I joined, it was a little over a hundred years. Um, they insure the jewelry industry, right? So it's an $80 billion industry. Um, jewelers, there's about 10,000 jewelers in the US. They're US and Canada, I think. Um, so they insure jewelers and consumers who have jewelry. Like, you know, you guys have jewelry, you needed to get insured. And uh, I would, by the way, as a side, I would highly recommend that you do that. Um, your homeowner's policy does not cover nearly as much as it should. You don't want to be shocked and surprised when you call them up for a claim. Um, anyway, little plug there for the company. Um, company was very profitable, especially on the consumer side. It was kind of a break-even notion on the jeweler side, sometimes losing money, um, but growing very slowly. Uh, net promoter score, if you know anything about net promoter scores, it's minus 100 to plus 100. So it was a 75, very high. Um, yeah, so, so they were doing a very nice job in terms of customer satisfaction, both on both the B2B and the B2C side. Um, had recently created several sub-brands, entered into sort of new products, um, a warranty product versus insurance as an example, but they had different logos, different messaging, they had different teams, they weren't connected. Right, so there was this bit of a noise um, and lots of different answers when you ask the question, why do we exist? Even at the, uh, in the C-suite, um, could not get this consistent answer. You know, the most common one probably was to make high profits, right? That's what they believed was the mission of the company. That's why we exist. So not much you can differentiate there, right? Um, the visual branding and messaging was really tired too. It had been around for a while. It was not unified. Um, the website really needed to be fixed as well. Um, and frankly, we didn't have a lot of customer intelligence. Um, and I thought that, you know, if you go into a branding exercise, by definition, if you've been paying attention in the growth gears, you've got insights, right? The insights piece of this project would really allow us to get a lot of intelligence that would be applicable not only to a branding effort, but to lots of different parts of the business. Um, and, and as I said, the website really needed, it was technically, it was sort of on its last legs and visually it was um, very unappealing, very difficult to work on. Everything had to be sent over to the IT team. My, uh, the marketing team really couldn't do anything um, except in a very basic content management system that we had. So. And like any pro project like this, I always start with a hypothesis, right? I never start anything without saying, what could it be? What do I believe, right? If I do this, then X will happen. Um, and so it was, and we called the, the project Elevate the Brand. Um, elevating the Brand will allow Jewelers Mutual to, A, clearly align on the why. Now that is not a, you know, means, it's a means to an end, it's not the end result but we needed to have that in order to get to the end result, which would be you know, increasing brand awareness and ultimately revenue, provide a strong brand architecture, right? For the growing and ambitious company, no matter how many new products or services or acquisitions we made, we'd be able to have this architecture to lean into to make sure that we were being consistent. This is a big one to get employees much more engaged. Um, employees were liked doing what they did, but like I said, they weren't connected at all. Um, and I wanted to be able to attract new talent. So here we go. Two of these are employer brand totally, um, when you think about it. So on the insights piece, 
going back to growth gears, we did six consumer and customer focus groups of people who had jewelry, right? So people who had jewelry worth more than $2,000. Um, I didn't want to just talk to anybody. I wanted really to talk to the target market. Um, we did a quantitative research with a thousand consumers who fit that same profile. Interviews, um, and by by the way, with, by, in case you don't know, by qualitative research, I mean, you know, face-to-face, -face, small focus groups of about a half dozen people in each session. Um, we did three each in Chicago, New York, and Milwaukee. Interviews with employees, jewelers, and agents, insurance agents, external insurance agents. And so what we found was in the initial insights is that we had 9% unaided brand awareness. And so the question basically was, name a company that insures jewelry. And 9% of the population that has jewelry named Jewelers Mutual, okay? We found that, and mainly in the qualitative side, that consumers are absolutely obsessed with their jewelry. I did not appreciate this. Like, you know, if you have a spouse and you've given them jewelry or if you've a, a brother, sister, mother, whatever, it's a nice thing to do. Emotionally, people are obsessed about this, right? They love their jewelry, okay? This was a huge finding for me. I think about Ken's mom. She is obsessed with her jewelry. Like yeah. she talks about it all the time. And it, it is, it is interesting. I, I never knew that either until her. I totally underappreciated this. So this yeah. is a huge, this was a huge insight, you know, not to spoil the story, but um, company had a very high reputation among jewelers that, you know, that high net promoter score and employees, although they were satisfied, were disconnected. Um, when we asked them, you know, do we, do you know, you know, why we, what, what our plan is and so I mean, I don't, they just didn't, they, they did, they liked coming to work. It was a nice company to work for. They liked their jobs, but they didn't know how they were connected. So it's a strategy. Um, we came up with a why after, you know, sourcing through all of the interviews and talking to people and essentially to enable consumers and jewelers to wear and display their jewelry with confidence at any time. And we had to be careful because it's a B2B and a B2C play, right? We could have come up with two whys. Well, for the jewelers, the why is this, and for the consumers, but we that would have really messed things up. So we came up with one why for the company, and it's really all about having confidence. They wanna wear it, they wanna display it. I'm passionate about it, I love it, but I'm scared. I'm. I keep it under, you know, in a box under my bed because I'm afraid something's going to happen to it or it's going to get stolen. And we're basically saying, no, this is why we're here. We're your guide. You're the hero. You wear your jewelry. You love it. You obsess over it. We'll guide you through and you can have confidence, right? So this is a big thing for us. And what's kind of shocking is the company had been in business for a hundred years and this just had never been on the radar. It was just about, no, we sell insurance. We make money. So it was a, an inflection point for us to be able to change the culture. Um, from an imagery and content standpoint, we completely pivoted from product to emotion, right? It's all about love, emotion, obsession. Yeah, ultimately you still need to understand the whole how's the product work and how much does it cost, you'll get there. But this is what the hook was. And this is what the buying audience connected with, right? 
Um, slightly new logo, not not major, mainly modernizing, um, and and some new you know sort of fonts. Um, and by the way, all this stuff was not just on the website; it was in everything that we did. It was from you know all the terms and conditions that you get mailed in the mail to if you took a tour of our building, it then become it became like this emotional sort of love scene with in a good way, not a weird way. Um, with really nice quality artwork of people who were enjoying themselves, plus jewelry, right? Very visual. We've established a clear brand architecture. So if you are going to be working on another product or launching a new service, this is these are the rules. This is how you follow the, the guidelines that we've established. Um, this is what the web page will look like. We did uh, our first national advertising. Um, for I should say first TV advertising. We've done a lot of digital advertising, um, created three spots that were amazing, three TV spots, um, and that did really well and created a new, a new website. So the results, so, and, and on the execution side, um, we made sure we included employees, all employees in one way or another were included in this, what we call just sort of task force. So we had representatives from each department playing a key role and their job really was not only to do the work to task others to do work and make sure they were communicating right what was going on um i provided written company updates monthly and um stand up company updates quarterly in our quarterly all hands meeting so it made sure everyone knew what was going on where we were going what the results were how much we had spent you know it was a like a project update to the whole company because i felt it was so important for people to be connected here um, rebuilt the website, um, shifted all the work, frankly, from the IT team to my team um, because we made it easy. This is open source. Um, I could make a change in an hour instead of a month. That was a huge win for us. All the content was updated, like I said. Um, and the insights that we got provided a baseline of all the KPIs that we needed to measure our brand health going forward. Right, so we just didn't have that before. Um, like I said, the uh, the advertising really was uplifting, emotional, funny. You know, we injected some humor as well. I think we did a really nice job. And end of the day, brand awareness increased 43% um, within six months. Growth went from basically flat to over 10%, and our employee engagement scores increased significantly uh, post-launch, mainly because there were two reasons, I think. One is that we involve them, right? You get to be involved in this project. And it's not just about being, you know, having more work. It's it's being part of the DNA of the company, more part of the DNA. And then the other thing is like, when you do these quarterly meetings and you can have people from, I don't know, customer satisfaction get up and talk about what they're doing. And then you can show, videos and you can show the commercial you can show the end result people there were people crying because they'd never seen it they never felt this way working for a company before because they've worked for the same company for like 15 years and now that they're they're kind of seeing the breakthrough so it really was um meaningful for me personally but i think more importantly meaningful for the company and getting back to the initial comment of does brand work matter does it impact the bottom line? It totally impacts the bottom line. 
it absolutely changes your growth course, your growth trajectory. And, and you don't need to spend millions and millions of dollars to do it, um, but you do need to focus in, in the time and effort. Yeah, let me ask you a question. It seems like the return might be a long, slow payoff though, right? I mean, SEO can be nine to 12 months. Yep. Ads and buying ads can be a really quick hit, right? What, totally. What is the return off of a brand, uh, uh, off of a big branding thing like this? Like to get the results of Jewelers Mutual Group, is that a one-year deal, two-year deal? I so mean, this, so yeah. these are sort of a one-year look back, okay? right? Um, now. That's faster than I expected to hear, to be quite honest. There, there is, so you've got brand awareness increased 43%, which doesn't, I mean, I, I think it totally influenced the growth rate. Right. But I don't think it was completely causal, right? Because I think there are, there are lots of other things that other people in the company are doing to, you know, inspire growth. I think, though, that the brand work that we did inspired others to do great work. So I think that there is, I can't prove that. That's a bit of a, you know, a feeling that I have. Look, if you're, um, you're just uh, tying employees closer to the vision and the cause, right? And increase in engagement by just a couple points. Yes. Not to, to impact growth by that amount, most likely, right? So. No, no, but I, I, th I think that there, but the other thing is, I think that, so as you develop new creative, right? New ways to approach the marketplace. As you develop- Three minutes to, by the way, Ken. Yeah, no, I'll finish up right here. Um, so if performance marketing, so things like paid search is important to the company, it is to some companies, it is a jeweler's mutual. You can improve that pretty significantly too by introducing these brand elements into those tactics. Right. Right. So they influence for sure. The the brand work influenced the outcomes of what are, you know, traditional tactics. If we hadn't done it, we wouldn't have if we hadn't done the brand work, we clearly wouldn't have increased our brand awareness. I'm pretty sure we would not have increased um, growth by 10 percent. Maybe we would have increased it by 5 percent. And I'm absolutely positive we wouldn't have increased employee engagement scores so but this is a long-term play and not only is it a long-term play it's not a project it's a mission like right. you don't ever stop elevating the brand you just keep going and you have a template and a playbook and a way to measure success once you're done with this so that's that and that's the uh, conclusion of the brand piece and the marketing intensive. And boy, it's been fun. Oh, that's it the last is. piece. You got to have fun doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, if you don't have fun, it's not worth doing, right? And I think that this is a this is work that can be very fun, very meaningful, and very fun. I agree. I agree. I have absolutely been blown away by all of the five parts of this marketing intensive. You know, I come from a marketing background too, but this was still stuff that I could learn as well. So um, we super appreciate having you. Uh, the Shift Spot cannot thank you enough for the time and dedication you, you did to put into every one of these presentations over the 
month of May. And um, we can't wait to do this again sometime soon, hopefully. Absolutely. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for being great partners and providing the platform and for the CEOs like John who have stepped in and, and shared their experiences. And hopefully, you know, y'all, you know, can, can take back and maybe some of these things in, in your own shops and, you know, kick the tires. I'm always available for a, a phone call or a Zoom. And I think John, we're actually talking Friday. So yeah, um, looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. Bye.